Anybody ready for the word? Psalms chapter 8, Psalms chapter 8. We started a conversation last week. I am not normal. I am not normal. There is a destiny upon the child of God. It's an invitation to the supernatural life. Now, it doesn't matter when last you saw an example of such a life. It doesn't change the fact that that is the destiny that the believer has been invited to. Somebody say glory to God. Psalms chapter 8. You know, it was sometime this week I was having a session um, with one of my mentors. And, and he was telling me how he reads books. And he says if, if he was to read this book, um, it would start from the very beginning. Start from the very first page. It's going to read, you know all those publishing details, ISBN, copyright, 19 this. It will read the foreword, read everything. Chapter 1, read in between all the lines up until the last page. You know, some of us just go to chapters. Just say chapter 1. Chapter 1 doesn't look. Let me just start from chapter 2. Glory to God. You know, as I was saying that, it just dawned on me that the way I read God's word, there's so much detail for me. And I start from everywhere. Um, let's read. Let's read. Psalms 8. Psalms 8 and verse 1. I gave us a tiny little bit of information last week that I want to shed a little bit more light on and then we delve into what God has in store for us. Psalms chapter 8. It won't be on your screen because it isn't a part of that scripture. But Psalms chapter 8 begins with to the chief musician. A psalm of David upon the Gittith. And I told us that there are certain psalms that give very vivid peeps into the supernatural life. Hmm. And that this instrument was actually a common instrument used in the land of the Philistines specifically for the worship of idols. As I meditated on that, I, I could see really what David was trying to do. David is saying that when I want to sing about the realm in which my father dwells, the realm in which the God of all gods dwells, I'm going to take this same instrument that you've used in the worship and in the sacrifice and in the dancing of idols, I'm going to use it to scheme a song of adoration to the king of kings. And as I was meditating on that thought, I remembered many, many years ago, I think I was eight or nine years old, there was a choir competition at the International Four Square Gospel Church camp back in Nigeria. Different choirs from around the country were competing. So there was a man on stage I will never forget. They called him Chief Commander. Anybody knows Chief Commander? The youngies won't know. The young ones won't know. Only the mummies and the grandmas, all right, will know Chief Commander. And Chief Commander was on stage. I kid you not, the, the, the stage was big. And from one end of the stage to the other end of the stage, they had drums. All sorts of drums. Small, big. You know the, the, not, you know the talking drum you hold like this? And the ones that are down. I think it's called bata. There's... All sorts. He had them long. And I was captivated. I'd never seen so many instruments before. I'd only watched orchestras on the TV with all the brass instruments and violins and viola and the cello and the double bass and all of those. 
I saw drums. And there was this man with a microphone. And he said, I will never forget those words. He said many years ago as an idol worshiper. He said, these are the drums we use in the worship of our idols. He said, before we release an album, I'm quoting verbatim. Before we release an album, we will do the recordings and go to our shrines. We will beat these drums over the album and then we will release it to the world. For the world to begin to hear and listen. He said, now that Jesus has saved my soul, I will use these same drums and beat them to the king of kings. For him, that was his gittith. I've used it in the worship of idols. Now I will use it in the worship of the king of kings. You know, when we're planning for our wedding, my wife told me, guess who is going to play at our wedding? I said, who? She said, Ebenezer Obey. I said, it's a lie. She said, you just watch. My wife comes from a very, let's say, just a very powerful family. Amen? Hello? So when I got into the reception hall and I saw him, I remembered when I was a little boy and what he said. What is, that was a thrill for me that this man is still using these instruments for the worship of our king. And I pray for someone under the sound of my voice that his praises will never cease from your mouth. In the mighty name of Jesus. Psalms chapter 8 and verse 1. O Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who has set your glory above the heavens. Verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength. It says because of your enemies. Can, can you see that your God has a big sense of humor? In the same verse that he's talking about dealing with enemies, he says, I am going to raise babes. I'm going to use sucklings. There is something about their worship. There is something about their praise that many times these adults don't get. They are too logical for me. He says that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. What a God. Hmm. So he says, when I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. We, we broke this down last week and we saw that really David was peeping into an angelic conversation. He heard a question and the question was, what is man? That you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him. Really, what is it about this creature? It tells us in verse 5, you've made him a little lower than Elohim and you've crowned him with glory and with honor. Can somebody say with me, I am not normal. I have been crowned with glory. I have been crowned with honor. Verse 6. It says you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you've put all things under his feet. All things under his feet. And, and, and I don't want to do a recap, but we said there's something that happens to a mere man that makes them abnormal. That makes them understand the fullness of the glory and honor that they carry and that dominion, dominion is their right. Somebody say all things are under my feet. All right, some of you don't believe it yet. You have some bills waiting for you at home. You have a diagnosis or a doctor's report or a doctor's appointment coming up. 
And you're like, if it's really under my feet, why does it look like it is above my feet? All right. But this is how spiritual things work. You declare them and you see them. So can you say it would be all things are under my feet? Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Let's do this very quickly. Judges chapter 6. I will read from verse 1. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Somebody say seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Verse 3. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites were not really interested in the seed. They, they didn't care about you tilling the ground and putting seed inside. It says that the Amalekites will have a coalition with the Midianites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. Verse 4 says, they encamped against them and destroyed the increase. Can, can, can you see that? So they would wait for them to plant. And as you are waiting for the harvest season, there's somebody else waiting for the harvest season. Not to come rejoice with you that the seed you sowed, the prayers you prayed, and the fastings, your labor and investment in the spirit, now you are launching into a season of harvest. He's saying that the adversary really and truly is also waiting for the harvest, but not to rejoice. The old plan was that once there is increase of the earth, we will come up. That there will be no sustenance. That there will be no sheep, no ox, no ass, nothing. Verse 5. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land. They were not even interested in carrying the things away. They just wanted to do what? To destroy it. And what did this produce? Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Isn't our God merciful? Isn't he merciful? Let's jump to verse 11. I want us to read verse 11, verse 12, and verse 13 together. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Many of us are seen with our physical eyes. There's a young man in this room that is seen with his spiritual eyes. And he can hear angels singing. And he's singing what they are singing. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Verse 11, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in offer that pertained unto Josh the Abizarite. Um, we are not going to attempt to break this down because you will think that if the angel really wants to help, go take back everything that Midian and Amalek had stolen. But he says first what God wants to do is he wants to raise an abnormal man. He wants to raise an abnormal woman. And I'm praying for someone under the sound of my voice this morning. That if God can successfully raise you, you are the deliverer that your family needs. You are the deliverer that your city needs. One person on fire is enough for that family. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. 
It's the same way in a year of recession, the man of God has the audacity to announce to God's children, it's your year of taking over. And many are asking, taking over what? Do you know what we've been through? Do you know what we've lost? Do you, <laughs> do you have an idea of what the prayer points are? Do you know how, how badly the family was rattled? I don't know about you. I know some families that lost more than three people. I'm not talking of extended family. Nuclear family in just the same pandemic that you and I strolled through. Where I'm really going is verse 13. Because God has a word for us this morning. Help me look at your neighbor. See, God has a word for you. God has a word for you. You're not looking at them. Look at them. Look at them. Make, make eye contact. Make eye co if the person isn't close to you, make eye contact. Say, God has a word for you. So Gideon said, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, if indeed we have been praying every month, if indeed we join times of refreshing at 5 a.m. every day, if indeed I'm the first person there at cell meeting at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, someone says, speedy reading scripture or doing announcement. We are there at midweek service receiving God's word, building faith. If indeed this God is God, why has this thing befallen us? Why am I still sick? Why am I still sick? Why am I still, still broke? Why is it that this, this, this thing that my grandmom said my mother struggled with and my mother said my auntie struggled with, why am I seeing the traits in my own life? They didn't worship God. I am born again. They bowed to idols. I serve Jesus. How exactly has it been possible that these things have found a way to befall us? It says, where are all the miracles? We keep on hearing testimonies being shared on Sunday and on Sunday and PD will wake up at 5 a.m. and say, magnify the Lord. And sincerely, sometimes I just want to get into the phone, into where he is and say, for what? Really, for what? You keep on sharing all these testimonies. Where are they from? Because it doesn't look like there's any miracle happening around me. It says that the Lord not bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and has delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Father, I receive light as we receive your word. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Glory to God. I said glory to God. The enemy has sold a lie to many of us that serving Jesus means an end to a life of pain and adversity. I have titled our discussion this morning, Adversity, the womb of the extraordinary. Adversity, the womb of the extraordinary. Meaning that if you and I will give birth to the extraordinary, the womb that will carry it, the name of that womb is called adversity. Somebody say adversity. Somebody say adversity. Somebody say adversity. I know you don't like it. You're like, PD, no. Say miracle. Somebody say miracle. Somebody say deliver. Okay, let's try one more time. Somebody say adversity. Glory to God. There is a, a, a graph I want to show you, if they can put it on the screen. 
As simple as that graph is, that is the graph that runs the world. Anybody knows what this is? Anybody? There's no, there's no monetary price. The moment I say $100, somebody will just tell me what, what it is. Okay, so let me help you. Let me help. I know it looks like many things, all right? But we have, if we had a statistician or an epidemiologist in the house, they will tell you that, I know it's not perfect. Maybe some of you really wanted it to like slope properly, all right? But can we borrow a bit of your imagination? Did you just say bell curve? That is what it is supposed to be. So let's borrow your imaginations. Help us just fix it into a bell curve. The bell curve is also called a normal distribution. Somebody say normal. Somebody say normal. So the rule of life, the rule of existence on earth is that most things will happen here and few things will happen here. Are you still with me? And guess what those extremes are called in statistics? They're called outliers. Even in statistics. That most of life, if, if you have an engineer who is about to build a plane, they don't go about measuring the height of everybody. No. They're going to look at the average height of everybody and plot a normal distribution around it. That most people, the ones that are too tall, let them bend to enter. And the ones that are too, let them just stroll and... And enter, but we will always live life around normal. Somebody say, I'm not normal. The interesting thing about this graph is that when you probe in to examine the life of people who do great things, hear me? Many people who do great things are people who have stories of lives that began in the extreme. I grew up in intense poverty. You begin to hear stories like that here. My father couldn't pay. I saw things on the street. We couldn't afford school fees. There, there were times where I was home for so long. It is stories that you hear from the extreme. Somehow those people end up achieving greatness in life. Some of those who do the most terrible things in life also are from the extreme. I grew up in a home where my father was beating my mother every day, beating and battering and beating and battering. I grew up in an, all I saw around me was abuse and, 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 oh, my father married another lady and she was just mean to me. You, you hear those stories. Have you noticed that it is the same outliers that produce greatness? It is still them that produce the biggest brokenness. It means that real life happens at the realm of outliers. Everything going on in this middle is normal. Somebody say normal. Somebody say normal. So when we say God has called you to an abnormal life, it means that you and I have the destiny of an outlier. It means that if you plot a graph of Christians, it is also going to look like this. There are those who are very cold and they've denied Jesus. Those who they have the idols, as they are finishing with the idol, they are <laughs> opening YouTube, you, we bless your name, we bless your name. They are there. They are there. Majority are here, cold, powerless, explaining and saying, God, maybe, God, why, God, when. And there are a few on this side who are saying, if indeed God's word is true, let my life be the proof. If it is true that Jesus actually rose, <laughs> he said, come forth, and the dead jumped out. 
If it is true, I will see miracles in my time. I am telling you what God has been trying to do with your life. He has been trying to drag you out of this region into the realm of the outlier for greatness. But what the devil has told us to use our faith for is to drag ourselves back as swiftly as possible into normal. So God is saying, I want to do something big with you. And I'm saying, God, no. I want to stay normal. Just pay my rent. You know, just close this deal. I'm, I'm okay with one house. And God is saying, no. You are supposed to build houses that many will live in. You are saying, God, just, just pay these coffees. And God is saying, you don't get it. You are supposed to be the one sending children to school. And they will not even know you. You are just saying, oh God, no. Why is there so much pain? I, 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 I grew up as an orphan. And God is saying, you, you know that pain. You are supposed to raise an organization that will minister to the homeless. You were the one living in that shelter. And you're saying, God, just get me out. Just get me out. And God is saying, I am teaching you how we are going to build a sustainable design that will transform people from the streets to palaces. We keep on dragging God into normal, and God keeps dragging us out of normal. And what God uses to drag his children out of normal is a wonderful tool called adversity. We don't like it. We don't love it. If there will be anything great about your life, it will be because God gave you the grace to overcome adversity. People will do normal. We don't know or hear anything about them. People will do great things. Those are those that give glory to God. Do you agree with me that your life was designed to give glory to God? Do you agree with me that your life is supposed to be a picture that the power that Jesus left with us, that power is not dead, but that power is still alive. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with me that God is still in the miracle, in the business of doing miracles, signs, and wonders? Do you agree with me? Do you agree with me? Look at the testimony we heard. If that child was born with a nice heart and just continued, maybe somebody would not have believed today that God heals. Sometimes we can't write this thing as well as God, God has written it. And I'm telling you, if you can switch your mindset to rejoicing, it is not his power that is small. It is the glory he wants to bring out of this that is too big for the world to handle. People will talk about you. People will laugh and smite you. But your life will be proof that God is real. Guess what? The people that were laughing and smiting, on that day, they will have a choice to make. Either to join you in celebrating your God or to bow their heads in shame. But what I know for a truth is that God will exalt your head and God will lift you above shame in the mighty name of Jesus. A couple of points that the Holy Spirit will have us deliberate upon this morning for somebody to reorganize their mind towards adversity. This is the year of greatness. What that means is that this is the year that God will give you the grace to overcome great challenges. All right. All right. Are you sure you are ready for this word this morning? Number one point. Every challenge that the believer faces arrived late. Every challenge that the believer, if, if you can receive this word sincerely, you will, from next week, look 10 years younger. All of your worries will have gone up. And the people who are worried about you not being worried, <laughs> they'll be the ones aging. And you'll be the one younging. 
Is that good English? It's good revelation. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Every challenge the believer faces arrived late. That diagnosis that your doctor just saw, it arrived late. Because blood was shed thousands of years ago for that same diagnosis. That poverty that your parents are saying, it is just in this family. We don't do great things. You are telling them, God has successfully dragged me out of the realm of normal. And in this place now, I am the first of the generation of those who do great things. This is that family. Am I speaking to those people this morning? Every challenge you face, it's late. You know what that means? The solution existed before the problem came. Rather than sulking about the problem, this is where pity can sound a little bit insensitive. But I'm hoping that I can drag you out of here. This is where we bother about sensitivity. Here, we don't bother about sensitivity. Is that, where is the solution? Is this the way out? Show me the way out. This is the way out. I'm going there. Here is, can you be sensitive a bit? Can I acknowledge my feelings? After acknowledging your feelings, if there is no power of the Spirit to bring deliverance, hear me, child of God, acknowledging doesn't solve problems. I'm not saying we should grow into a bunch of insensitive people. Like Jesus, we weep. We acknowledge. After weeping, then you go to the grave and say, Father, I thank you because you always hear me. Roll away the stone. So God is raising people who will acknowledge and do miracles. Is somebody getting in this morning? But don't be the generation of those who will do miracles without acknowledging. And you get to marry a matter. Why are you crying? I said, why are you crying? Don't you know Lazarus will live again? No. Jesus was moved with compassion. He wept. He cried with them. Somebody say, Jesus wept. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 13. Every challenge the believer faces has arrived late already. Every time you are in a situation, you must remind yourself that God is writing a great story with this circumstance. The problem exists. The problem is late. The solution exists. It says, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him. Somebody say behind him. Somebody say behind him. It means as Abraham was going with Isaac on Mount Moriah in obedience to God to sacrifice his son, God knew that the only thing dying that day was the ram. And Abraham passed by it. Can you see it? Somebody say, passed by it. But I pray for you that the Lord will lift up your eyes today. In the mighty name of Jesus. It says, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him upon and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. In the stead of his son. I've come to announce to you that you are not about to lose that organ. You are not about to lose that opportunity. You are not about to lose that job. You are not about to lose that child. That circumstance is for the glory of God and God will get his complete glory. In the name of Jesus, that the Lord will lift up your eyes and you begin to see solutions around you. That the focus on the problem, the spotlight, the enemy has just shone these this allergy lamps on this problem. Your God is not faithful. If he's faithful, why is this there? I say, no, God is lifting up my eyes. I will rejoice and I will give him praise because I know the solution is around. The solution came first before the problem came. Are you with me this morning? Somebody say glory to God. So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, this is the New Testament revelation of it. It says there is no temptation 
There is no situation. There is no challenge. There is no hardship. There is no adversity taking you but such as is common to man. He says, but God is faithful. Can you just put your hand on your chest and say, God is faithful. Come on, shout it out. Let the devil hear you. God is faithful. He says, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will, with the same temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I speak by prophecy this morning over the lives of everyone under the sound of my voice that the way of escape has come. The season of escape has come. That God will bring you out and your life will be one that God is still doing miracles. In the name of Jesus. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, that problem came late. Look to the other neighbor say, that problem came late. That lie came late. That diagnosis came late. Glory to God. The number two point is that true greatness will always occur outside the normal. I think we've settled that already. It's, it's nothing great happens in the realm of normal. If it's real lasting greatness, it must be at the extreme. It must be at the extreme. It must be at the extreme. Talking to believers, we will, we will speak to blind eyes and blind eyes will open. I'm talking to believers, we will speak to the lame and say, get up and walk. I'm talking to those people. I'm talking to people who will see a, a ridiculous move of wealth transfer and will begin to ensure that the nations of the earth in remote areas receive the gospel. I'm talking to those people. Those people might be struggling with their finances today, but they know, they know, they know. That God is faithful. It will always happen outside the realm of normal. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 71. I'm giving you scriptures. I'm giving you scriptures so that you can have something solid to build your faith on. This is the psalmist speaking. Say it was good for me. It was good for me. It was good for me. Pity. God was making a prayer warrior. I was not praying. I was not praying, PD. I really was not praying. I know you thought I was praying. I was, I was trying to wake up at five. I wasn't praying, PD. I am grateful in retrospect that this thing happened. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I might have learned your statutes. I didn't know two, two verses of scripture. Two. But now, but now, but now faith came. It came by hearing. Hearing came. It came by the word of God. He said, PD, now I believe that God is a healer. Imagine if PD wakes up tomorrow. Let's say something happens <laughs> and PD did not see healing. And he, he comes and says, you know what? God doesn't really heal. He heals some people. Some he doesn't. Do you know there are some people, no matter how loud my microphone is, they will just say, we need to pray for him. Because I have seen, I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good. I have tasted and I have seen that he still heals, he heals, he heals, he heals, he heals. He's still faithful. Exodus chapter 3, verse 19 to verse 21. Nothing great happens in the realm of the normal. And I am sure that the king of Egypt, this is a prophetic word to someone. He won't just let you go like that. He says, not by a mighty hand. This was God talking to Moses. 
It says these challenges you are dealing with, they are an opportunity for me, for me. Egypt is this proud construct that if it's not logical, it doesn't make sense. If it's not scientific, it's not possible. If it's not medicine, then it's not real. And God is saying, I am still God. Before there was medicine, I was God. Before there was geography, I was God. Before there was philosophy, I was God. But Egypt is, is, is proud. It says, I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go just like that. Let's go on to verse 20 and verse 21. So God says, I will stretch out my hand. I have to do something drastic. It won't be normal. God is saying, I will drag you out of normal into extraordinary. He says that I'm going to do something. It is called wonders. Egypt will see it. If they don't see wonders, they will not let you go. Verse 21. It says, and I will give these people favor. Come on, is somebody receiving that? KICC, can you take that word? It says, I will give them favor. I will give them favor. I will give them favor. People who were broke yesterday, they become owners and owners of lands and estates today. It says, I will give them favor in the sight of all the Egyptians. It shall come to pass that when they go, when this deliverance happens, you will not go empty. I hold my hands with you under the sound of my voice that you will not go empty. In the mighty name of Jesus, in that tight corner that the enemy has placed you, there will be a breaking through. There will be a breaking forth. In the name of Jesus, ahead of you might look like there's only the Red Sea. Behind you might look that only the chariots of Pharaoh. But I'm telling you, your God does not need land. He doesn't need land. He's the one that makes a way. Are you getting it? There is no raw material that God needs besides his word. If you can find his word, you found the only raw material. He said to Moses, why do the people cry before me? Tell my people to move forward. God, move forward. <laughs> Say, God, this God is funny. Can somebody buy him glasses? Move forward. Move forward. So God was smiling. They don't know yet. They're about to see a miracle. They don't know yet. They're about to see a miracle. Can we digress a little bit? Can we digress a little bit? Do you know, the Egyptians got to the Red Sea and they did not wonder that way to this is Red Sea. Have you thought about it? They didn't say this is a miracle. Even they believed. That's why James said, even demons, they believe. They were like, we can go in also. We can go in also. We can go in also. And they drowned in it. They drowned in it. They drowned in it. I pray for you under the sound of my voice. That the enemy will not be able to see the secret of your greatness. They will not be able to touch it. The Lord will keep you under his, 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 his wings. You are inaccessible to those familiar eyes. Those monitoring assigned demons. That have monitored every progress. Even before you discuss it with your friend. Your best friend. They already know. They've been assigned to see to it that greatness does not happen. But we come by the authority in the name of Jesus and we decree that the siege over that family is broken. The siege over that family is broken. The siege over that family is broken. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Number three, number three point. Lazy, carnal Christianity 
always wants to drag God into normal. God is trying to do something great. We are trying to do something comfortable. God is trying to demonstrate the miraculous. We are just trying to stay sane and above, above water. Have you heard that before? I'm just trying to keep my head above water. So, so that I don't drown. Hello? Hello? Can I announce to you, God did not call you to live a life with head above water. He called you to fly. He called you to fly. He called you to fly. Come on, can somebody receive that word in your spirit? He called you to fly. He called me to fly. I will stop dragging. My prayer points will, will, be, will, will stop being small from today. Dragging him into small. Say, God, please, 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 please. Just take it away. And he's saying, I want to glorify my name. Are you up for this or not? You know, many people have signed out of the journey of greatness. They said, God, I am okay with normal. Wasn't it Jeremiah who went to God one day? I said, God, I am done. You deceived me. <laughs> you deceived me. You lied to me. They're just giving prophetic words, prophetic words. Me too, I was just saying, Amen. You know? And just sharing, sharing, sharing. Say, I'm done. He said, but every time I tried to be done, something was burning. It was burning like fire in my bones. And I pray for as many under the sound of my voice who have retired from the, from the journey of greatness, that today you'll be reinstated. And that fire will burn bright again. The fire of faith, the, the days that you believed more than it made sense, those days are back again. You will hold on to his word and this time you will see that he is faithful. In the name of Jesus, destiny is forged in the furnace of adversity, but we keep dragging God into normal. John chapter 16 and verse 33. John chapter 16 and verse 33 in the Passion Translation. It says, everything I've taught you is so that you will have peace. It says, this peace which is in me will be in you. I will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, can you see what God is really doing? It says you will experience trouble. You know, many modern day believers get to places like this. They're like, next verse, next verse. They are reading God's word. This is Jesus speaking. And they are reading it and saying, blood of Jesus. I will not experience trouble. This is Jesus saying, you will. He says, but you must be courageous. You must be courageous. For I have conquered the world. How else will I show the world I have conquered if all of your life is normal? You just wake up, go to work, you have your job, you pay your bills, you know, you go for health checkup, everything is fine, and you come back home. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is like, I can't do much with that kind of life, but if that's what you want, that's fine. He says, but I'm raising another generation that I can't do much with. The ones who held on and said it took us five years. Those who will come out and say it took us ten years. Those who will come out and say it took us fifteen years. But I can tell you for sure, he is faithful. He's faithful. Boy, there are so many testimonies I cannot begin to share. But the one important testimony is faithful. I said he's faithful. 
He said, you need to have peace. This peace means you will find a way to insulate yourself from the noise around you, the clatter and the chatter and the mortar of concerned citizens. Stakeholders, stakeholders that cannot pray. Is that a stakeholder? Stakeholder that cannot pray. Ah, sister, sister, sister Jane. I hope we don't have any Jane in the house. Sister Jane, hmm. Is it the one? When is it the one? People who, let me tell you, let me say this. A lot of these stakeholders, they are amplifiers of demonic pressure, but they don't know. They call it concern. If you care, go on your knees. If you really care, go on your knees. Believers, they're so pressuring people. They're so pressuring people. My sister, how is it going? I know I'm going to hear your testimony soon. Jesus will be glorified. That's better than hmm. Huh? Uh-huh. When? Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 17. God is saying, I won't do normal. I won't do normal. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Quick question. The God who brought down fire. The God who sent down fire. What would it have cost him to turn off this Nebuchadnezzar's furnace? Have you thought about it before? If, if I was the one, I would just release one breeze. And that is it. Nebuchadnezzar will now say, ah, you have a God. Do you know Nebuchadnezzar scientists will find a way to explain how that breeze came. And Nebuchadnezzar will not agree that there is a God. So God is saying, rather than sending breeze, that fire, we are going inside. That fire, we are going inside. Church, can you hear me? Hello? That fire, we are going inside. This one, you can, you can explain breeze, but you cannot explain the fourth man in the fire. There is no scientific explanation for that. And I hold on with someone that challenge, hear me? There is about to be a divine solution that will defy scientific explanation in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, I need a bigger amen. There is about to be a divine intervention that will defy scientific explanation in the name of Jesus. So let's stop dragging God. You know, of the five points we are discussing this morning, the last two, Right. Are you ready for number four? Are you ready for number four? The devil has limited resources. The devil has limited resources. Do you know when I, 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 I was reading a book recently and it was so funny. The guy's boss asked him and said, um, what day is your what day is your least favorite day of the month? The guy said, well, I like the first day of the month. The, the last 29 days are the hardest. Okay, some people didn't get it. Some people got it. That's somebody who, you know, as you are collecting it. <laughs> All right, some people didn't get it. Some people will get it next week. That's fine. That's fine. And some people got it. He said the last 29 days are the, they are the hardest. Glory to God. Glory to God. Have you been so hungry one day? So hungry. 
you are just there. You are now remembering the wedding you went to. Okay. I need to look for examples that people can... Do you guys in this place, you are too prim and proper. You've never been hungry before. I'm talking about you know there is nothing from anywhere. You now begin to remember by the rivers of Babylon where we sat down and we remembered the buffet. We remembered when there was food. You remembered, I don't know, and this, the, the, the joke is over now. You are there in your husband's house and you remember that I was, I was, I was daddy's queen. I was never broke. Never broke. This, this man that is speaking English now, the Lord will do it, the Lord will do it. If I call daddy now, a check, speaking explanation, you don't know who raised me. Every summer, do you know where we went to? This one can't even go to the park. <laughs> can't even go to the park. What kind, what kind of life is this? Sisters, don't be that kind of voice. You old designs. I say more than daddy did for you. I'm going to take you around the world. I'm going to show you places. Places you've never been. See, but, but, but for now, for now, let's enjoy this parlor. <laughs> somebody say glory to God. Oh boy, if somebody can see greatness side of them. And you see that it won't always be like this. You will dance some more. You will smile some more. If you can see a picture of your tomorrow, I am telling you, if God can show you a glimpse of it, you will dance some more. You will smile some more. You will rejoice some more. Don't spend the bulk of this season hoping and wishing. Spend it rejoicing. These are the same days you will remember. The days when we were small. The days when we were few. The days when we were broke. The days when it was just from pockets to mouth. But thank God for the day of abundance. Now we can feed nations. Now we can feed nations. Where did we start from? The devil has limited resources. So when you have limited resources, what, what did they teach us in economics? You have to prioritize, right? There's something called opportunity cost. Do you know what it means? If there are 100 believers in this room, the devil does not have 100 demons for all 100 of you. I'm giving you spiritual intel now. Hello? Can, can you receive this? Okay. I'll just say it codedly. The devil does not have 100 demons for the 100 people in this room. So what does he do? He looks for those with the greatest destinies. He would rather invest 100 in one. Because if God can raise that one, he knows that that one can lift 99. Is somebody listening this morning? So rather than spraying demons and hoping, he's extremely strategic. All right. Let's go to God's word. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12. It says, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. You see why you can't be normal? You see why you can't be earthly? It says, And of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath. The guy is, is vexing because he knows that he has a what? He has short time and limited resources. So he's making strategic investments. So if he is after you, there's something great you carry. I know you've heard it before by motivation. I am telling you by revelation, there is something great that you carry. He's after it. If you can outlast him, 
you don't have limited resources. You don't have limited time. You have in... What's the word now? In God bless you. Inexhaustible glory at your beck and call. If you can have lasting an extra day, an extra week, an extra month, if you can hold on there, you will see glory. Oh, I'm telling you for a fact, you will see glory. He has limited resources. He's only after people who carry something. Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, verse 26 and verse 27. And they arrived at the country of the gatherings, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils for a long time. He wore no clothes and he had no house but in the tombs. I have studied the New Covenant, the New Testament. Every person that Jesus cast out demons from or that Jesus did anything spectacular with, all of those people watched them. There was something they were supposed to do that the devil was scared of. The Bible tells us that this same guy he was supposed to be an evangelist to 10 cities. Hello? Hello? Can you see why the devil was scared? The people who were showing up in church every Sunday and they were not even preaching to anybody. The devil didn't care. They won't go to one person. They won't even go to one city. The one who had the destiny for 10 cities, the enemy says, we can make an investment of legion in this one. So Jesus came and set him free. And he went about Mark chapter 5, verse 20. Mark chapter 5, verse 20. Mark chapter 5, verse 20. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. Publish, that means he made an announcement in 10 cities. How great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. And all men did marvel. John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 28 and verse 30. John chapter 4, verse 28 to verse 30. The woman then left a water port. Do we know who this woman is? This is the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman who Jesus said, go bring your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, yes, you're right. You're right. Actually, you've had five, you know. And the one you, you're living with now isn't actually, you know. And she just turned. turn back. You know, you know the average believer today, if God should give you human, the word of knowledge, this sister, can we use Sister Jane again? Sister Jane, you are living with a man that is not your husband right now. Sister Jane, because when it's Jesus and the Samaritan woman, you just say, oh Jesus, let's bring it home. Sister Jane, you've had five husbands. Ah! Sister Jane will look down. My secret is out. It's out. And she will look up. Say, um, so Sister Jane, you know what we will do now? You know what we will do? This, this, your situation is very bad. It's very, very bad. Sister Jane, you cannot continue like this. Sister Jane, glory to God. Jesus released that into our destiny. He released that. Do you know the destiny this woman carried? One woman. One woman. Which is why, hear me. Don't write people off that God has not written off. Oh. Hello. 
Especially there's a way, and to God be the glory, if you've been a believer for a long time. Transfer it from being in church for a long time to being in Christ for a long time. Because if all you've been is being in church for a long time, you will join the, the cloud of analysts, not the cloud of witnesses. The cloud of explainers. The ones who are sitting down there and are wondering why a Jew is having a conversation with a Samaritan. When God is raising this lady, God is God didn't consult with you. He didn't seek your recommendation. He didn't even check with you. He says, she has a voice. And I'm going to use that voice. He says she left a water pot. She went into the city. The same city that pastor has been saying, go preach the gospel. Go lay your hands on the sick. Go invite them. Go bring them. One lady, one went and said, come see, come and see a man, come and see a prophet, come and see my Jesus. And they are wondering, when did you know this Jesus? She said, you don't understand. The cold normal ones sitting, the abnormal ones with, with, <laughs> with, with history that you want to delete, God is saying, I will use them. It's only after you, because you carry something. Help me look at your neighbor and say, you carry something. Look to the other neighbor say, you carry something. Somebody say, glory to God. Somebody say, glory to God. Luke chapter 8, let's read verse 1 to verse 3. And we go to the final point for the morning. Have you been blessed so far? Are you sure you've been blessed so far? Luke chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils. Is that in your Bible? Is that in your Bible? And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Can you see these ladies were kingdom financiers? The devil got them possessed. Investing in the particular people. Has it ever occurred to you if Abraham, Father Abraham, has many sons? Many sons? The same Father Abraham, if he was in this church, and Mama Sarah in this church, today's believers will ask them questions. Where is God? Do you pray? Do you fast? Do you believe? Hmm. Abraham will say, me a friend of God. Me a friend of God, do I believe? And he'll go back and say, God, let's strike a deal. Will it be Eliezer? Will it be Eliezer? And God will say, I am the God of heaven and earth. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Say, God, chill, chill. Chill with perfect. There is a matter you need to solve here. They are doubting that you are my God. Huh. Many a day that rise up and say there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You are my glory and the lifter up of my head. For everyone, every situation, every challenge, every diagnosis, every speck, every stain, every bot in your life that is asking, where is your God? May the God of heaven answer with glory. May the miraculous speak your answer. You will no longer have any explanation to do. You will not need to do any further explanations. The glory of God will speak for you. The glory of God will speak for you. 
in the name of Jesus. Number five, every challenge is a song in the making. Every challenge is a song in the making. Waymaker, miracle word, promise giver. You know, some songs are just songs to you. For some other people, some songs are, that is my life. You don't understand. If it did not show up, I was done and gone. Have you ever been in such a place in your life before? That you just needed him to make a way. You just needed him to make a way. So when somebody's standing and the worship is going on, way maker, miracle worker, just give them time. Give them time. Very soon, life will happen. And you will know that you need the one who makes a way. But when some of us are shouting, it's not because we have loud voices. It's because we know when there was no way. We know and remember clearly when there was no way. Remember a season in our life where the, the landlord knew every month, every month, they will bring the letter, the letter, and say, due to your unpaid rent, you have been instructed. How does that letter believe? begin? But you don't know how it begins. In the mighty name of Jesus. I think it, begin, it, be, it begins with, I believe you owe me, you owe me. I believe you owe me the certain amount of dash being rent for your residence in blah, blah, blah. Ah, the Lord will tear every letter of shame and he will give you letters of glory. Month in, month out, we were shouting for the Lord is good. Couldn't pay rent until the 19th of every month. If you don't know what 19th means, you don't know. You don't know. But that same God is faithful. I say that same God is faithful. I say that same God is faithful. Somebody is about to compose a new song that God is dependable. You've heard it on YouTube. You've known all sorts of songs. You're about to write your own stanza that this is my own life. This God is reliable. Somebody is about to wax a song. It will be that God still does miracles. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 9. It says, and this is just a perfect way to wrap up this conversation. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. Somebody say, quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we are not knocked out. Somebody say, I'm not knocked out. I am still in the game. And my life will end as a testimony that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is alive. Come on, is there still faith in this room? My life will be a testimony that Jesus is alive. So the enemy has a bet. He has a bet. He says, she will give up before the day of breakthrough. He will give up before the day of breakthrough. We're about to shock the enemy. That we're holding on to our God. He's faithful. He's dependable. I know my God. Let me bring it up a bit. Let me bring it up a bit. Knocked down, but not knocked out. Persecuted by others. I, I hear the comments. I hear the whispers. Some come gar garnished as concerned but I really know what you are saying. 
I know what you're saying. I see the arrows. They are painted. And they are, they are, they are covered. They are, they are, they are, they are well, well uh, arranged. Uh, uh, as though I, I didn't send it out to pierce you. But really, you can see that what I'm doing is I'm piercing you with my words. And I'm making a statement that you and this, your God, you, you better do something differently. <laughs> my God is able to do. And just what he says, he will do. He's gonna fulfill. He's gonna fulfill every promise. Don't give up on God. Come on, that's a word for someone. He hasn't given up on you. He's able. Come on, church, let's rise to our feet. As we magnify the King of Kings, the one who is able for God is able. God is able to do just what He says. Yes, He will. He's gonna fulfill every promise. Hey, don't give up and go. someone don't give up I'm doing something abnormal with you you carry destiny don't give up on God don't give up don't give up don't give up that's the word don't give up on God don't give don't give up don't give up don't throw in the towel yet don't walk away from his presence don't give up don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on God. He's able. I want to pray for two categories of persons. If you don't have Jesus, you will need to carry all of the load by yourself. He says, come to me, all you will labor and heavy laden, heavy laden, load, 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 load. He says, you can't fly with that baggage. You can't, you can't even run. You can't even walk far. He says, give me the load, give it to me. 
I don't know what that the sound of my voice. You don't know too many Christians. And the few you know, they are nothing to write home about. So you've written of Jesus. I come representing the King of Kings to you. The lover of your souls. He died for you. He took your place. He has big, great plans for you. If today, you will say yes to him. If you are that person, whether you've done this before and you strayed far, or this is your first time, how to pray with you. Just put your right hand on your chest. Those watching online, you are not left out. You know you don't know Jesus. What you know is church. You don't know Jesus. I want to pray with you. If you can say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for taking my place in the grave. Thank you because of the third day you rose again victoriously, triumphantly. This moment, I confess you as Lord and Savior. I confess you as Lord and Savior. And I receive the grace to live for you forever. Thank you for writing my name in the book of life. I will live for you forever. For in Jesus' name we are praying. In Jesus' name we are praying. Congratulations, you are now born again if you said that short, simple prayer. I want to pray for the rest of us. If you can help me find someone around you and hold their hands, someone from your, from your bubble, if it's somebody that you came from the same household with, you can hold their hands. If the closest neighbor to you is not someone you know or you are not comfortable holding their hands, that's fine. But if there's somebody you can hold their hands and you know those hands are blessed, all right, you know those hands are blessed. I want to hold those hands. I want to agree with you. The Lord told me, I heard clearly, I was about to round up. He says, break the yoke of discouragement. Break the yoke of discouragement. Break the yoke of discouragement. Father, in the name of Jesus. That is not the amen that will move these mountains. Father, in the name of Jesus. That sounds a bit like it. Father, in the name of Jesus. Every weight of discouragement that the enemy has successfully implanted in the lives of your children, we break every such yoke in the name of Jesus. And we put your hand on the symbols. That voice that is supplying constant lies, constant lies, painting a picture of a gloomy tomorrow, saying it won't work, nothing will be different. We silence all such voices. Then we will not have any hold over your mind anymore. In the name of Jesus, we decree that you begin to hear the voice of life, the voice of hope, the voice of miracles, the voice of possibility, the voice of his spirit, the voice of truth. In the name of Jesus. For the hand you are holding, that challenge that has proven itself impossible. That, that, that. Amen. Okay, it's back. Thank you. That gloating from the pit of hell. That it will remain that way. We come not in our own strength. We come not in our own might. We come not in our own authority. When the authority of the name 
that is above every name. This is the name that demons hear and bow. This is the name that mountains hear and run. This is the name that infirmities hear. And they begin to run out from their hiding places. This is the name that impossibilities hear. And they begin to take shape. Who are you, great mountain? You have been dignified by being called great. And the only reason we can call you great is because we serve a God who is greater. Is greater than you. Is bigger than you. Is older than you. It's not even your mate. <laughs> You've overstayed. It is time to go. Therefore, by the authority in the name of Jesus, you mountain. You mountain. You mountain. You mountain. I see someone. There is a particular pain in your life that has an anniversary. Every month you remember it. And coincidentally, in the month of March, it's like an anniversary of that pain. I don't know who it is. There's healing in the room. I don't really know the details. Whatever it was. <laughs> joy has come. I said joy has come. I said joy has come. The Lord says it will give you a new anniversary. It will be an anniversary of rejoicing. You will no longer remember the days you shed those tears. But you will begin to remember the days that you started your dancing. In the name of Jesus. Father, we seal these testimonies with the blood of Jesus. Your children will return testifying. Jesus alone glorified. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hold on. Hold on. I know I've eaten your time. Please forgive me. I will rather take an extra 10 minutes than we give that thing another 10 years. Hello. Hello. We are going to do something prophetic right now. Right now. I was going to carry myself out of this stage. But I will stay for one more minute. Did you bring your hands to church? Did you bring your hands to church? I don't know when last you clapped like this. I don't know what year you clapped like this last. But somebody is going to give a clap that is a clap of rejoicing. I are going to, yeah, you can rehearse it, but we are going to do it together. We are going to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You are going to clap your hands, all ye people. It's going to be a shout that the enemy will know that the game has changed. That victory has come. That is extraordinary has come to light. That glory has arrived and shame has been driven away. Do you believe me? These are simple actions. God told these people to walk around the city. It will have been wiser to start buying bulldozers early so that we can break down this wall. I'm talking of walls that bulldozers got nothing on them. It takes a shout from heaven. Are you ready to echo that shout? The shout is ongoing already. I want you to clap. If you do it well, I will leave in 60 seconds. If you don't do it well, we will clap. We will clap until there is an earthquake. We will clap until there is an earthquake. So jam your hands and clap your hands, all ye people. 
I know those hands are paining you, but I need you to clap some more. 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 so much for joining us today we hope you've been blessed by the sermon and if you would love to be a part of what god is doing in our midst feel free to join us on sundays at 10 a.m or wednesdays at 7 p.m to be a part of the giving you can give our email at info info at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate god is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon remember you're a champion god bless you Thank you.